When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Paris Saint-Germain chairman Nasser Al-Khalifi says Qatar 2022 is the best World Cup ever. Well, the game's biggest stars delivering on the pitch certainly helps, doesn't it? An Argentina-France final with Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi going head-to-head is pure box office. And today, we're going to talk about Kylian, the unstoppable force of nature. I'm Adam Leventhal. This is The Athletic Football Podcast. Oh, they got that boy Mbappe over there in France. He ain't no, no joke. Mbappe with time. The talent is too much. The quality of Kylian. It's now Kylian Mbappé. So we're going to focus on Kylian Mbappe, Messi against the French star as well in the final. Also later on in the show, we are going to be talking about Manchester United and a chance meeting with Avram Glazer outside the game last night between France and Morocco. Alongside me for this chat is the Athletics, Adam Crafton and Charlotte Harper. Now, Charlotte, we were both there watching Morocco try valiantly to uh, stop France. But in the end, they just had they just had too much, didn't they? And it will be France against Argentina in the uh, final on Sunday. How did you assess the influence of, of Kylian Mbappe last night? Because it, it was tough for anyone to really make their mark because it was it was quite quite solidly Morocco for, for a long period. I think the first goal, early goal, really helped France. Scoring in that fifth minute was, we're not used to that from France. They struggled to strike early and, and the players said how that settled them, settled the nerves. Uh, Mbappe um, was involved as the cutback came, but he missed it and it, it, it fell to Hernandez. Um, great technique to get over the ball. But the second goal from Mbappe he just shimmers and shakes and the drop of the shoulder and the disguise was very, very clever in order to draw the Moroccan players to him so that other players are left free. And Kola Mouani, who uh, grew up or who was born in Bromby, uh, the same Parisian suburb as uh, Kylian Mbappe. So it was the Bromby boys for the second goal. But uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Messi later on as huge attraction and, and huge uh, like 
bees around a honeypot towards Mbappe, but that allows other players. You've got Griezmann, you've got Giroud, and you've got Dembele to perform as well. So the biggest strength of Mbappe is the threat that he brings, but it's not just him assisting and scoring in the France team. You mentioned um, bees around a honeypot. You're in the mix zone afterwards. Is it a similar story to when Lionel Messi walks through a, a mix zone? For people who don't know what the mix zone is, it's where players go after the game and they can be interviewed by uh, the broadcast and, and print media. Um, is it a similar story that he attracts as much attention as, as Messi? Uh, Mbappe doesn't stop. <laughs> On the pitch or off it, which is which is well, quite fitting. Well, he stops slightly defensively, I think, going back. And it was interesting that Antoine Griezmann said uh, Didier Deschamps brought Turam on uh, on the left to help uh, Theo Hernandez in the defensive work uh, on that left wing. And then Mbappe moved more centrally, I think. Uh, David Ornstein grabbed one word from Mbappe. Very excited. Uh, but you, you normally have a press officer chaperoning the players and it seems that Mbappe has his personal man to um, rather than a chaperone a shepherd just a shepherd whisking him away to, to guide him through the mix zone maze just if you're losing a bit of momentum on the corner um, so no Mbappe doesn't stop Giroud uh, and Griezmann um, Moani they all stopped Hernandez um, and there was they've just made a, a World Cup final right there, but there was quite a reserved joy and they were asked about that and um, Jules Kunde said, yeah, I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've just been through doping control. I missed Macron in the dressing room. I missed the celebrations, but, but it will come. And, and that just made me realize how much is going on and around the players. But there is a, um, the job's not done for France. And there is definitely that feeling they were, they were not on cloud nine and outwardly expressing it. Yeah, they got their business done, and as the Moroccans were on the field, um, taking the adulation of the, of the crowd very, very rightly, um, the French had a little bit of celebration, then they had their little guard of honour, their games, and went straight down the tunnel and, and, and cracked on. Adam, it's interesting to sort of watch the progress of this French side. They've, they've not necessarily been flamboyant and, you know, have attracted as much of the headlines as, as obviously Argentina and, and Messi. They've been very businesslike, haven't they? Very impressive. Yeah, but I don't think they've played worse than Argentina. Actually, if you look through the tournament, Argentina have kind of been like 10 soldiers and one decorator, right? And, and France have been, you know, I think that's the way international football is now. You don't get many teams that are playing stylistically all the way through. Um, you kind of just do what you need to do to get there. And uh, I think the framing of France is, is quite interesting. I mean, People still don't really rate Didier Deschamps. Like almost ten years has he been there? Almost ten years now, and since 2014, um, maybe even before that. And he, um, you know, he's got them to several finals, right? And he did that before Mbappe um, in 2016. Obviously, they lost that final. They then win in 2018, um, and now they're, they're here again. And that that doesn't happen by accident. You don't get to repeated World Cup finals if you're not a very good manager. Um, I, I say manager rather than coach because I think that's what I think that's what matters more at international football: the ability to to manage a group, to develop a spirit, develop a culture. I think it matters far more than kind of the patterns of play that we obsess over in club football. I think a lot more is around the unity, the togetherness. When France didn't have that last year at the Euros, it all fell apart. 
and that's the, that's what they have this year compared to last year. It's a harmony, it's it's a unity, and and that's why they're there again. Well, after the game last night, Abby Patterson caught up with some of the French journalists just to get their take on the influence of Kylian Mbappe on this French side as they reach the final. Well, it's a good run. It's Mbappe. It's on to Turam. Mbappe weaving through and a tap into two. Well, I'm joined just as the match is going into this final moment by uh, David Koufi of goal. David, Kylian Mbappe, describe what he means to French football. Mbappe means the future. Mbappe means hope. Mbappe means the description of flair, of audacity, of talent, but as well of hard work. And to us, Mbappe is like a diamond, a treasure that we cherish all the time. Playing in the French league, we're so happy to have like our own ground talent playing for our own league. And Mbappe, I don't think that people hate him when he's playing for France at least. Because when he plays for PSG, maybe the Marseille fans, like me, <laughs> has a little bit of bias against him. But we absolutely adore him because every time that we put all our hope and pressure on him, he delivers. He delivers and uh, yeah, Mbappe. Tell me about Kylian Mbappe. He's definitely more uh, than a normal football player as a celebrity goes beyond uh, the, the football frontier, beyond sport frontier actually. So uh, when he stayed, uh, when he was, uh, it was decided that he stayed in Paris, he had two president, two French presidents that talked to him. I mean, Emmanuel Macron, obviously, uh, who's in charge right now, and Nicolas Sarkozy, previous French president, who called him to tell him to stay. I mean, that does everything. Where does Mbappe rank in the pantheon of French great footballers? He's still, he's still young. He doesn't like uh, that we say that, but he's still young. He's only 23, uh, soon 24. You can put a, you can put him ahead of Zidane of our Platini or whatever, but soon soon he'll be the the greatest goal scorer of the the French national team. Not so far down the line, he will be the best scorer at PSG. Not so far away, uh, not so far away in time uh, ahead of uh, Edinson Cavani. So. Yeah, give him, give him a three, uh, a few, a few years, and uh, man, if he's the, the MVP of the World Cup, two-time uh, world champion, at 23, 24, well, it will be somewhere, some, sometime, somewhere, uh, somewhere down the line, it will be not yet. So that was Abby speaking to Christophe Remise from Le Figaro and uh, David Koufi, who you heard from first, from Goal.com. So let's talk about Kylian Mbappe. Um, and just as we were coming here, I was reading a piece on the way as we was walking through the Sukhwakif, which was written by um, Daniel Taylor about Kylian Mbappe, Paris Saint-Germain and France and the fact that he's in a happy place at the moment. Do you, do you concur with that? Do you think he just looks like a, a content individual at the moment? And I know things can change very quickly with Kylian Mbappe. I think with France, for sure. I think this, it's, it's actually quite an interesting contrast between France and PSG at the moment with Mbappe because I mean, every summer is kind of Mbappe craziness in terms of his contract is never, never feels particularly long. So you had the situation last summer where his contract was basically run down. Everyone expects him to go to Real Madrid and then kind of Qatar, PSG, do what kind of sums up this World Cup, right? They kind of get things, what they, get things done that they want to happen. And that's exactly what happened 
with Kylian Mbappe um, last summer. You know, they got Emmanuel Macron, the French president, to have a chat with him to say how important it was for France and for Paris for Mbappe to stay a little bit longer. And they basically said, look, I mean, you're, he's only, I think he'll be 24 next week. I mean, it's incredible. He could have two World Cups by the age of 24. I mean, you just retire. Wouldn't you? Like, what are you doing after two World Cups by the age of 24? Maybe trying to win a Champions League. Um, but he... Yeah, he, he decided to stay in the end. He was on a, you know, almost certainly the most expensively, uh, handsomely remunerated player in world football as a result of it. Um, but even since then, he's not been particularly happy or settled. Right? You had um, a change of manager, a change of sporting director at PSG. Everyone thought he was going to be happy with that. And then the season starts and there's issues in the dressing room. Particularly, he's very close with Hakimi, but that's about it. Um, there's been real cliques in the PSG dressing room this season, issues with Neymar um, that have played out on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, and then all these stories emerged, I think it was around September time, that he felt betrayed by the club, that he wanted to leave the club as soon as January. He since said that didn't come from him or his entourage, but it was very, very odd. You know, This was the eve of a Champions League game and it was everywhere. That story was everywhere. Um, so I think PSG are increasingly in a position where they would consider the right offer this summer because his extension everyone thought was three years when it first happened it was in fact two years with a, with a mutual option so this coming summer he'll have a year to go on his contract which leaves PSG in that position again where they're like well we can't let him run down his deal you know once again so I think this summer is probably the likeliest you'll have in terms of a possible move we'll get stuck into the sort of the, the Paris Saint-Germain happiness at the final in a moment because obviously with, with Messi and Mbappe going head-to-head and Nasser Al-Khalifa I'm sure being very happy watching his his footballing children play out in front of him um, but I, I wanted to sort of just check in on, on how he's placed within that French side and we'll remember back at the, um, the Euros when France went out and there was talk of disharmony in the camp and arguments between uh, Rabiot's parents and um, Kylian Mbappe's parents. And one of the things that's actually highlighted in the piece, I think it was after a goal that was scored against Australia, that there was an embrace between Mbappe and Rabiot, almost a symbolic gesture, it seemed. It might might have been read into a little bit too much, but just the fact that he seems to be fitting into this French camp very, very nicely, thank you very much, at the moment. There seems to be a suggestion that fewer egos have actually helped the French team. Everyone knows their place. The younger players coming in, it's very clear they know their role. They probably won't play and they're they're fine with that. The experienced players have, have come to accept Mbappe almost, considering he was so young four years ago in that World Cup. We haven't got Benzema, we haven't got Pogba, we haven't got Kante. They had a huge, like, it's ridiculous to think that this is almost a second string uh, French side. And Mbappe is the centre. He likes that. Giroud is quite happy in his role as well. Griezmann is very content in his kind of new makeshift role and is playing very well. So it seems that Deschamps, as Adam was alluding to in terms of managing players, very clear with his instructions everybody knows their responsibility Uh, they've got Varane as a leader Hugo Lloris as well and so 
that entourage around Mbappe, if we want to have that narrative, is fitting well. But the French camp will keep reinforcing that it's the group. It's not just one player. There's also been you know, a huge change in terms of Mbappe's mindset with the French national team. Because last, last year at the Euros, he actually didn't score a goal in that tournament, which is incredible to think of a player who, who is so good. Um, he did, I think, created a couple against Switzerland when they went out. Um, he missed the crucial penalty as well. And he went away from that tournament actually feeling really low about, I think probably for the first time in his career, he'd been questioned, particularly around the national team where he'd emerged as this boy wonder, that extraordinary run against Argentina in 2018. Um, and he, he, he went back to PSG and in his first game there that summer, he'd been linked to Real Madrid that summer as well, very, very heavily, PSG had turned down bids. He was actually booed. Um, at the Parc des Princes on the first game back there and people said that was partly because of what happened with France in terms of missing the penalty also the sort of continued flirtation um, with Real Madrid and then there was a huge issue as well with um, the French Fed Federation president Noel Legre who Mbappe didn't feel had sufficiently supported him after he suffered racist abuse online after missing the penalty he didn't feel like the Federation as a whole had really recognised how difficult that period had been for him. And, and Le Gray actually said in, in an interview that Mbappe had kind of considered walking away from, from French football. And Mbappe then came back at him and said, actually, no, it's because I didn't feel sufficiently supported by the Federation. He's then been involved in commercial disputes as well with the Federation more recently. Um, so it's definitely been a journey over the past 18 months to get Mbappe back to a place where he can really feel free to express himself with that national team. The only disruption that uh, the French team may suffer is the virus. Deschamps uh, confirmed in his press conference last night there have, there have been flu-like symptoms in, in the French camp. Uh, the media, um, L'Equipe, ran uh, the story that Rabiot uh, was ill. And speaking to the players, yes, he was in his hotel room last night. He wasn't part of the squad. Um, they are being, they're paying more attention um, to health protocols, nothing has changed in terms of regulations, but you know, there's more hand gels on the tables. When you go into an English uh, mix zone during this tournament, it was compulsory to wear masks. Last night, uh, the French um, implemented that rule as well. So every journalist had to wear a mask going into the mix zone, which just, you know, that hadn't done, been done before. And speaking to the French journalists, that there were fears that, you know, the press officer would have briefed if it was not serious and the fact that they haven't said something or they haven't confirmed and we were left in this state of limbo suggests there was something more ominous. Those fears were quashed last night. Uh, players said they don't feel concerned at all. Um, they hope to have Arabiot back um, on Sunday. Deschamps confirmed that Upamecano, who was missing as well, was on the bench. So we're talking about this togetherness and harmony of the French team. At this stage, it's only illness that seems to so cause So you're saying they need, to, they need to stay apart for the next They need to stay apart days. to stay together. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Let's get back to the, the meeting of Messi and Mbappe in the final. Just take us into the, the mind of Nasser Al-Khalifa, if you can, Adam. Um, how do you think he will see that moment for his own benefit? Well, it depends which Nasser Al-Khalifa we're talking about. Uh-huh. Because he's a man of many hats. And he, you know, we probably know him best as the president of PSG. But he is also uh, the chairman of um, Be In Sport, which is the major broadcaster out here in Qatar, which has the rights for the Middle East and North Africa. They've had extraordinary viewing figures during this World Cup, as you would expect for the region. Um, so he's probably pretty happy on those two levels, as you say, you know, his two footballing children, maybe, I don't know, if Neymar must be feeling a little bit left out um, in that, given that he's actually played pretty well this season as well. Um, so he'll be pre- feeling pretty happy. But you know, he's then also works with the Qatar Sports Investment Authority, um, which is essentially a Qatari investment vehicle that's been behind a lot of the funding for Paris Saint-Germain over the last decade or so. And I think, you know, ultimately on Sunday, he'll be feeling this pride as a Qatari, right? I think that will be the number one pride for him. And he'll then have this kind of secondary pride of PSG and being having their kind of moment in the sun. I mean, it's been fascinating out here, you know, the fuss over Messi from the mid- in people in the Middle East, from, I suppose you could say, like the global south, that absolute obsession with, with Messi shirts everywhere. You don't see many Mbappe shirts. Given, and given he's about to become, you know, I mean, back-to-back World Cups, he could win, and he's been pretty sensational out here. You don't see that many Mbappe shirts. You also don't see that many PSG shirts for a club that's owned by... Um, by, by Qatar to, 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 to many effects. But d- is, is there a reason for that? Is, is it that they're not being pushed overtly over here, which might surprise people? Or is that not the case? I don't see a lot of sports shops selling, selling shirts, club shirts at the moment. It's just international stuff. So I'm not quite sure how they approach it. They've not won a Champions League. I think that's a big part of it. So in terms of your global recognition, 
that is still something that's holding them back a little bit. They also don't play in a particularly pop popular league. You know, the Premier League is the most popular league here. You then have the Spanish league after that, probably Italian. French, you know, French league is growing. Um, so I think those, those factors play into it. Uh, and they've also not been great at growing their brand commercially, um, whether that's here or in the, even in the States. I remember someone who used to work in um, kind of the strategy department for PSG saying that when they were very early in their job, one, uh, they went out to New York and went into one of the sportswear shops and were just trying to see, like, where can I get a PSG shirt in New York? And it was a lot harder than you'd expect it to be at that time. So they've since opened a shop, which almost, I mean, if you go into it in New York, it almost looks like a Louis Vuitton style shop. It's, I mean, it's like so many of the malls here, that kind of approach to a sportswear shop. Um, so I think that they're now trying to do that more. But I think it's also interesting, what, what, do, what are PSG after the World Cup? You know, a lot of people have had the view it was kind of like a soft power vehicle to, to almost like normalize Qatari investment into sport over the last 10 years in the same way as Qatar Airways, the airline, the huge investment that went into that was, was PSG part of that. Nasser Al-Khalifi has always said it's actually an investment. It's an investment that we've made. You know, we bought this club for around, I think, 70 million pounds back in 2011, 2012. They're now talking about valuation in terms of offers that they're being made for a small percentage that's up to four billion. Now, people will still come back at that and say, okay, sports washing, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of moving parts to all of that as well. It's interesting that there hasn't been a huge push of, of Paris Saint-Germain and that that's been okay almost in terms of um, Nasser Al-Khalifa's apparent sort of contentment at just having his players those big stars obviously you've, you've named the three of them the big guns obviously Neymar Messi and Mbappe Mbappe doesn't feel like it's a long-term thing because Real Madrid are closing in on him Messi's obviously going to be retiring relatively soon and Neymar might decide to go elsewhere because he's got Messi and Mbappe yeah, yeah. alongside him well, I mean Messi will be gone within 18 months yeah. latest he'll go to uh, Miami is, is all the expectation yeah. now. I think the only question is PSG is still hoping to do one more, to convince him to do one more year. Um, and the guys in the States are hoping he'll come this summer. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he wins the World Cup, does he kind of just take the view, completed it, mate? You know, like, like I've kind of completed European football. Um, I don't really need to do, do this anymore. Equally, he might think I've been pretty good here, right? Like, I've been among the very best players here. I can do another season in the Champions League. Um, why, why step away from it? Um, particularly at a point where Cristiano Ronaldo looks likely to sort of fly off to Saudi Arabia. So Messi could kind of prolong his time in, uh, in Paris if, if he wanted to. Um, in terms of, like, is there a concern about the market here? I, d I don't think so. I mean, like, Qatar's tiny. <laughs> I mean, the market share, does it really matter? I don't know. Right, the Middle East, certainly, is a, is a big factor. Um, I think it's it's a very nice thing for Nasser Al-Khalifi to be able to say to his, to, I suppose, the circles he mixes in in Qatar, right? look at my boys as he sat there on, on Sunday night watching the game, for sure. Um, but you're right, these, these are short-term plays in terms of Mbappe and, and Messi. Mbappe, you're probably looking at two years max, 2024. You know, that's the Paris Olympics. I think they'd like him to stay until then in much the same way as he was quite helpful for this tournament for Qatar. I think he'd be quite useful for France. Paris 2024 who wants to play in that so yeah I mean PSG will also they will sell a small percentage 
over the next year or so. That's all the expectation, probably to a US investor. Um, but Qatar still sees itself as having a big part to play in, in European football. And obviously, we also know Qatar would like to get involved with the Olympics in 2036. So like, the idea that Qatar is just going to disappear from sport is, you know, think again, if that's what, if that's what you're thinking or hoping. Quick one from you, Charlotte, on, the, on how the French are feeling in terms of a nation ahead of this final. I was, I was, I was fearing almost a France... Croatia final because there would barely be anyone in the stadium wearing the colours of those two countries. The, the, the France following at this World Cup has been minimal, hasn't it? People I, who I've spoken to have um, boycotted the World Cup. There were, there were journalists who I spoke to and said, you know, I'm not going. I don't want to be involved with it. Um, and it's not just in Paris, like throughout France, no fan zones and um, I don't want any part of it. The, the French vibe, it, it was, of course the Moroccan fans were in huge numbers and they will be dominated completely by Argentinian fans on Sunday as well. But in terms of a player perspective, they're not that bothered about it because they're just focusing on the job. But yes, it's true, you don't see that many French fans here. And, and it was the same in Russia. Curiously, I mean, they won the World Cup in Russia and there also wasn't that many French fans there. And I don't know, some people have said to me, like, France is actually a bit more of a rugby nation, actually, in terms of travelling for sport. There just isn't that real culture of flying around the world following your team. That may change in the coming days because it's a final. Um, but, but I think that's definitely been a pattern, you know, both in... Also, because I suppose Russia, again, wasn't that desirable for a kind of Western audience in terms, I think, fans were scared off a little bit as they have been here. I was speaking to the French camp as well and they, not getting too ahead of themselves, but they're like, you know, next summer it will be great because we beat the Moroccans, we beat the English, and, you know, we can boast a bit about it on the beach. And I was thinking, that's six months. Like, surely people... So which, which beach are you going to? Paris-Plage, oh, the super. fake beach in <laughs> Paris. <laughs> I was like, that's six months down the line. I mean, come on. People will have forgotten about it by then. It's like, no chance. So I think, as Adam said, again, France is not a big football nation. We've seen it in the women's game. It just doesn't have that football following. We're just going to change tack slightly, um, but I suppose it is reflective of the fact that you do have this power base operating at this World Cup, be it the, you know, the Qataris, the, the Saudis, um, the political pressures that we've seen, the geopolitics, but also we're operating at a period when there are quite a few clubs up for grabs in terms of uh, sales. And yesterday after the game, outside the VIP section, I was waiting there as there was a brass band playing, there was dignitaries coming out, and who should appear? But it was Avram Glazer. And we'll have a chat about that in a moment, but let's just uh, bring you exactly what he had to say on the potential sale of Manchester United. Can you give me an update of where, where you stand with the sale of Manchester United? It's not necessarily a sale, it's a process, and we're going forward with the process, so we'll see what happens. How many interested parties have you had so far? I'm here to really watch the World Cup, but I appreciate your interest. Just one little update, just to give us a, a taste of how it's progressing. That's the update. The update is the process. 
and the process is proceeding. So what's the timetable on it? Once again, I'm here to enjoy the World Cup, but I appreciate your questions. Okay, thank okay, you. No All the best. Thank, thank you. So it was a short and sharp chat with Avram Glazer um, after the game. Adam, I wanted to get your your reaction to this. Just just first and foremost, I was I was surprised to just see his very familiar head and body pop out of that crowd. Um, just the fact that he was here, d does it surprise you? No, I don't think it's a it's a particularly a surprise. You know that he would be at this tournament, given we know that in the past um, they've held talks with Saudi um, investors. They've also got a, a cricket team um, that they're invested in in, in the uh, UAE and the new cricket league there. So, I mean, we know there's those relationships. We know that Dubai consortiums have been linked with both Manchester United and Liverpool. Um, we know there's also some interest from India. So, yeah, uh, it would make a lot of sense for somebody who's trying to sell a football club or being in a process that might lead to the sale of a football club um, to be here chatting to the, some of the richest people in the world who are here as VIPs and dignitaries. And he may also have just in, you know, wanted a jolly and go and watch the World Cup semi-finals. Um, I know that quite a few of the US owners were over here, particularly when the US was still in the competition. Quite a few of them went for lunch together. So yeah, I mean, we, we, we've not kind of learned a huge amount new, but it's certainly interesting that he is here in Qatar at a point where, you know, I think some Manchester United fans would have a huge amount of excitement around that. Some Manchester United fans would have a huge amount of dread around that. Um, and yeah, we're very much into the realms of speculation. The thing that he did actually dig his heels in, apart from actually wanting to speak to me in the first place, in terms of a, a factual context, was that when I mentioned the, the sale of Manchester United, can you give an update? He did say, well, it's, hang on, it's, it's, not, it's not a sale. This is a, this is a process. Do you think that that's just his sort of um, protective gear coming into, into play? Or do you think that he genuinely believes that, yeah, we might be open to various different things here? No, I don't think the siblings... Well, I know, this, you know, we've reported that the siblings are not all unified in what they necessarily want to happen next, right? We've seen in the summer, for example, there was attempts by United to reach out to various investment vehicles, particularly in the States. Uh, Apollo was the one that was, was mentioned quite a lot, where at the time we, we were all speaking about potential man minority stake, financing to do work on the stadium, on the training ground. But actually, the reality of that was Joel and Avi Glazer were keen to borrow money to buy out some of their siblings. Right? And that would have been really interesting because if they'd have managed to do that, I think a lot of the framing may have become, you know, we finally have the siblings here that really, really want to grow this club, want to invest in the club. Um, you know, maybe these other siblings have been holding us back this whole time um, from really doing what we want. So I, I, I'm still not entirely convinced this will lead to a sale. You know, but certainly once you're in the headspace of we're in a process that may lead to a sale, that's def that's further along the line. But I don't think it's a fait accompli that this is this is what's going to be the end result here. Um, and also, if you think about some of the figures that are being mentioned in terms of what these what these guys want, six seven billion, right? If they don't get that money, they might just go back to their siblings and say, look, well we tried, we didn't get what what was valued. Let's go back, let's invest. Let's get, back, let's get Manchester United back to where they belong. Let's spend money on the stadium and the infrastructure. And then it will be worth that in five years, ten years. Um, so I think he's right when he says it's a process. I think it's also potentially reflective of 
some siblings' mindsets compared to others who will just be like, just get rid of the thing. You're making it sound a lot like succession. <laughs> it's families, right? It's families, yeah. right? Imagine trying to sell something worth billions with, you know, five brothers and sisters. Yeah. Sounds like a nightmare. But he did it also sort of, he didn't want to commit to a lot, as we've mentioned. But in terms of the timetable, it doesn't seem as if it's sort of, you know, there is a there is a definitive. Well, we need to get it done. Otherwise, we're going to move on, and we're going to we're going to stick with Manchester United. So it does feel that this is very much an exit. It's just it might it might be a long goodbye. Yeah, I think Chelsea has given kind of a false impression of how sales work because it was so quick, the auction was so fast, everyone had to just chuck their names into the mix all at the same time, and, and you've got this kind of chaos around it. I think with Man United and Liverpool, it will be more discreet, and then it will be all of a sudden it happens. I think they are more likely to be these takeovers where it's someone we've never heard of or a fund we've never heard of emerges from kind of the shadows and all of a sudden they own Manchester United because there isn't that time pressure. So I think this idea, you know, this will be completed by February, March, April. It will if they if someone offers the money they want right at the moment. It doesn't look like anyone's done that. So let's see. We will focus on the uh, the shorter term. And we're all looking forward to the final on Sunday. And it is uh, Kylian Mbappe against Lionel Messi. France against Argentina, obviously. But it is being billed as that. Um, Adam, thank you very much. Charlotte, thank you to you as well. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, If you want to read the words of Charlotte and Adam, uh, myself as well, on The Athletic, head to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. And you can subscribe now for £2 or $2 a month for the first year. We will see you tomorrow. The Athletic.